This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Okay, so, so we're sharing a bit of vision and this morning is part on how do we reach the future generations. Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of very interesting conversations with people the last couple of months, you know, after COVID and after, you know, um, people sort of almost like a lot of people are depressed, a lot of people are heavy laden, they don't know about f- their future, they, it's almost like, you know, how, how do we get out of this pit or this negativity? And uh, the scripture the Lord gave us at the beginning of the year is Matthew 6, verse 33, that uh, youth video says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he will add all things to us. You know, that's sort of the way out of your depression, <laughs> is seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> the way out of uh, sort of not focusing on your circumstances is always say like, Lord, where are you moving and what are you doing? Uh, I want to be part of that because God is always moving. God is always doing something. God is always at work, even when it feels to us sometimes like we're overwhelmed by our circumstances. But God, firstly, is not interested in your and my comfort zone. He's not interested in our culture per se. And that's so beautiful about being part of a church where we are multiracial, multicultural, multilingual, multi everything. Because it represents the heart of God, multi-generations. And as we spoke last week, our core focus is to go and make disciples. In Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, um, you, you, we, Jesus said, go into all the nations, the ethnic groups, go into places, you know, um, and go and make disciples. You know, just this week, we started a three-month Bible school in Nepal, Let's go Bible school that's training up 30 young people that will go as missionaries into the mountains of Nepal. And we as a church started that, you know, Pastor Amar there, and I'm doing some training in this week. But for three months, he brings them into his home. He eats with them. He stays with them, uh, trains them everything about life, but also about the kingdom. And it's such a beautiful picture that we actually have to open up our homes. We actually have to really become family. And so we're talking about God's desire for family and um, what is in his heart uh, for families. Now, a lot of people think that in essence, my family is there just to, to be a safe space for me. Um, and so a lot of people, even when it comes to church, they say like, ah, I don't feel so welcome when there's a lot of people in church. But the family, if the family doesn't have a mission together, it's going to get a lot of, into a lot of trouble. <laughs> There must always be something bigger that the family is going towards. The family is the safe space. The family is the place of discipleship. But eventually, even our own kids, they do not belong to us. They belong to the Lord. We're just stewards. We're just there to disciple them in a time, and then they're going to move on. Even your marriage, you're not going to be married in heaven. So don't make an idol of your marriage or your children. Is that a bit hard? But sometimes we do. We think like, hey, you're going to be married forever. You're not. But marriage creates a safe space for the heart of God, mother and father together, to represent the image of God to children. 
And so part of our focus is how do we disciple? How the challenge, you know, and just driving out here on, on the farm, um, we moving a campsite, you know, and do you know what the biggest vision and dream is, is to have 40 braai areas there, and every Sunday after church, we're all going to drive out to Banuk Valley, and we're all going to braai together, and all just have a lot of great time together, that's why we have family days, where we can learn to really get out of our spaces, and also disciple other people's kids, and get into the space of where we're real family, so that's part of our vision, you know, driving yeah, around in the, in the town, and you can pray with us. We're trusting God for a youth center where every night youth in this town can go to. Because there isn't something, there is no, there's, I think, only one other church I know of in Stellenbosch that has got a heart for, for teenagers. We're losing our schools, and that's why we're putting youth coaches in every school. Um, Sean that led the worship here, he's in, in Kamandi, started three weeks ago in Kamandi. We have two youth coaches here in Paul Ruiz. We have um, two in, from next year in Stellenbosch High. We're going to have one youth coach in Blumhof. They just okayed it a, a month ago. Uh, we're talking to Rhenish. We're talking to Lukov. We're talking to Klutesville. Um, and we have one at five. You know, there's one at Calling Academy, one at Aitza. Uh, because Christianity isn't taught at schools anymore. And so now the church needs to begin to say, how are we going to reach into those generations? Because there's a whole group of people that haven't heard the gospel. You know, a couple of years, I think it was eight years ago, I was sitting with a young guy that was here in Paul Ruiz, first year, and we were talking about the Bible. He just got saved. It was really rough. And, um, and um, so he didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so we were talking about who is your favorite character in the Bible, and he said, not Jesus, I said somebody else, and he said, Joseph, Jesus' dad. I said, oh, why, why that? He said, well, because that's the only one he know of, because he only started reading the Bible for the first time two weeks ago. Never read the Bible, 18 years old, in a school like this. And then we spoke about, yeah, but have you read the Old Testament? He says, what's the Old Testament? So we think in our minds that Christianity is thriving in, in South Africa, but we've lost a lot of ground over the last 15 years because the church is playing church, but we're not reaching the next generation. And that's why it's so important that we put our hands to the plow and we begin to say to God, God, what's on your heart? And so um, the disciples, they had a moment and they were asking God, like, Lord, what how should we pray? Because do you know you need to learn how to pray? You need to learn uh, certain things. It's like brushing your teeth. Your mom for the first, hopefully only nine years, told you, go and brush your teeth. Okay? And you resisted. You went against the system. You rebelled. But hopefully when you're 20 years old, your mom isn't phoning you every night. Hey, Graham, and telling you like, hey, your dad out of front, so, hey, Graham, did you brush your teeth tonight? Yeah. <laughs> You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, Because why? There's certain rhythms in your life, like prayer, like worship as a Christian. That's what we do. We don't outsource it to a group of deep intercessors. We don't, we don't tell the church, well, okay, church, you know, you need to raise up my kids because I bring them to church once a week. 
And we have beautiful people, seven missionaries running around here that just arrived for a year last week, you know, and they're all involved in children's ministry, and we have 100 volunteers here on a Sunday. But children's church is not enough if you don't disciple in your home, and you don't start to draw other families. And that's why we have to live in a space where we open up our homes, where we start to not get more individualistic, and it's just me and I and myself, but we actually begin to say, Lord, I also need to take responsibility of my neighbor's kids and the other families in church, Lord, because there's a lot of families here that, and children here with us that don't have dads or single moms, and it becomes the responsibility of the church. I spoke to a school principal here, in, or actually two of them, in the past month as we were talking about the youth coaches and the emotional breakdown that they're experiencing among teenagers, it's horrific. The challenges that schools are having at the moment because of depression, and we all know there was a suicide case here in one of our schools a couple of weeks ago. Suddenly the school is not just a school anymore, it's become a home for many kids because of the brokenness of families. And so the challenge for us as the church is not just to do little things, but actually to become the church, to become the salt and the light. And if you didn't know that, we're in a major crisis. There's a major challenge for our society in the heart of society and for the next generation. Most of South Africans are under the age of 18, if you didn't know that. So if you're 22 years old, you are old Praise God, I'm only 23, so <clears throat> I'm, I'm sort of there in a category. But listen to how Jesus taught them how to pray. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So Jesus stopped praying, and then comes this prayer that we all know, by heart, hopefully. Maybe you know it in Afrikaans. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. Pray it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is sinning against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then we add this part, for yours is the power, the kingdom and the glory forever. It's a, it's a beautiful prayer, this, the Onsa Father, the Our Father. It's a cry of the heart because Jesus taught us certain things in that prayer. He said, when you pray, the most important is the first part, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Everything in our lives is focused on hallowing his name. Everything in our lives is getting to know the Our Father. Not my father, not their father, not a cultural father, our father. So God taught them from the word, even when you come to God, you say our father. Not my father, not the Brit's father, our father. What does it mean? He talks about spiritual family. And that's where we start. Our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Reverence. Oh, everything that we say he's above all things and we, we, we are there for him, to esteem him. I love what, what some of the uh, 
translations and some of the commentary says to treasure him, to reverence him. You are here to worship God. Your family is here to worship God and to glorify God. If you align your family outside of that, if we align church outside of that, we're in trouble. Because then we're going to do events, we're going to do a lot of stuff, we're going to do a build a great business, we're going to talk about prosperity, gospel, and all that other stuff. But we exist for the glory of our Father. And we exist to make a space for people to feel welcome and discover the Father's heart. That's why we're here. If you didn't know that, that's your purpose, is to become Christ-like. And what does it mean to become Christ-like? Is to know the Father, because He represented the Father's heart completely. He said, and the disciples said, how do we know? He says, well, just look at, look at who I am as Christ. I come to represent someone, the Father's heart. So that, that's where we start. It's to reverence Him, to treasure Him, to, to say He's holy, to say He's different than us. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Aligning ourselves with His will. Once we know His heart, we know His will. And so He says, let your kingdom come here in Stellenbosch, here in the Boert, here in Franschhoek, here as it is in heaven. And then He goes on. He doesn't say like, okay, you, you don't need to be sensitive or I'm not sensitive. But I, there are three things that He talks about. He talks about provision. He talks about protection. And He talks about purpose. He says, pray for those things. Give us today our daily bread. He doesn't just talk about natural provision. He says spiritual provision. I've come to give you spiritual provision. And that's in the Father's heart. Because that's what the Father represents. Is to provide. To guide. To bring purpose. You know, the identity of the child is mostly formed by the interaction with the father. Not by the mother. The mother goes, but by the father's heart. And so, so he says, you can pray for these things. In the house, there's provision, there's protection. There's, there's a place where there's purpose, where we come together in, in the fullness of God. Provide, protect, guide. And part of that is, is a loving environment, but also an environment where we get disciplined. Where there's strong boundaries. You know, the biggest fight, all of you have small kids. There's, there's one word that's going to come up in your house when they're teenagers. It's called Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. It sounds like a science fiction movie, eh? Wi-Fi. You know, you get the skotelgoed washed the quickest by just saying Wi-Fi. Sometimes it's a threat, but hallelujah. I, I thought I'll never threat my children, but wait till you're a parent. There's a lot of threats. It's like, like you make these vows. You know, I remember this one guy. He was an elder a lot of years ago. And so we just had our first child. And the child threw a tantrum there in Kutzenberg Center in the foyer. And it was just like, and he came to stand. But they didn't have children. So he came to stand like this. He says, oh, the pastor's child misbehaving. You know? And I was just like, oh, you know, just all patience, grace, love, you know, all the fruits of the Spirit that had to manifest the, the right there because this guy was like irritating me a little bit. Um, and just fast forward two or three years later, so here they come with their child. And that child throws a thing there that it looks like 
it, it, it's, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things there happening on that floor, right in front of church, you know. And so I just go, I just stand there and say, oh, elder's son. <laughs> yeah. Because you think like, yo, I'm never going to bribe my child when we go to pick and pay your checkers until that first tantrum. And you're just like, keep quiet. Because yeah. then normally the whole church, the whole church is there in Spara when you go and your children throws, there's a good Afrikaans word and you're all thinking about it, but this is church. I just know, I saw some faces, you know, a tantrum. The Afrikaans word is, good, is, is much better descriptive, but in any case, so, so he says that I'm going to, when we pray, we, pr we actually say our Father in heaven. And remember, we're praying in the plural. We're not praying as an individual. Jesus never taught us to pray in the individual. Father, give us today our daily bread. There's a massive challenge towards church that does discipleship. Is people, we, we live in an individualistic culture. So we pray, we automatically think my, but you should automatically think our. So when God blesses somebody here, then it means like we all win. If somebody suffers, everyone suffers. So Lord, protect us. Lord, provide for us. Lord, because my breakthrough is Stefan's breakthrough. Oh, can I get an amen? Okay. If you know, don't say amen in this church. This is going to be a long sermon, I promise you. Okay, so that's the heart of the Father, the heart of provision, the heart of protection, you know? And, and it means sometimes you have to, you know, there's, there's, there's three words not allowed in our home. I'm going to give you a tip. I call it the three B's. Can you, can you think what it is? We never use those words. Beetroot, broccoli, and Brussels sprouts. Amen. They, I don't know why the Lord made them, but we will ask why later. But in any case, so can somebody agree with me? You know, Brussels sprouts especially. Oh, my God. That stuff, you can't get it down. But we all learn through our lives. We learn to share life and we learn, you know, but what is the kid's first reaction is mine, me, myself. That's our nature, but it's not God's heart. And so I want to I I challenge you, especially all the families that are here with us, I want to challenge you once a month to make a meal for some young people. Just allow them in your house. I want to challenge you once a month, just come on an evening service. And just come and stand here and come and pray for the next generation. Get a heart for what is God's heart. Because then it's not about my comfort zone and how I feel comfortable. And, you know, I spoke to a guy this week. And he said to me, no, we're going to leave the church because there's too many Afrikaans people in the church, you know, and that I, I, I want to rather be in an English church. So I say, what? I want to bless you, but you know what? That's not, that's not a reason. God commissions somebody to go. God sends you to go and serve somewhere, not to go and like, oh, this is what I feel comfortable with because that's not scriptural. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen to this in Psalm 68, verse 4 to 6. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. By His name, Yah, and rejoice before Him. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. 
So David writes this and he releases this word. He says, hey, he's a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary, a blessing in families, spiritual family and natural family. And that's why it's so amazing that you as other families are here and we want to celebrate you for coming. Even if you don't like the music and even if it's a bit strange, the fact that you've come is amazing. Because you want to say, like, family is important to us. It's important to God. And we celebrate that because why? God sets the solitary in families. But he's also a defender of widows. So it's not just my family. He also wants to be a father of the fatherless. He also wants to reach out through the spiritual family to go and protect and provide and guide and, and create a space of love. Yes, and sometimes of discipline to release God's call. Can I get an amen? Because it's getting very quiet here, okay? The greatest challenge in our society is against two things. It's against the church of God and against families. The world wants to redefine. The world wants to say, no, 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 family should look like this. You know, when I started doing weddings, I think it was 2001, most people they still had two parents on both sides. The other day I was, and I, I mentioned this story, a couple was going to get married, and I said, hey, can, the, can your parents maybe come to the front and pray and a, a blessing over you in the wedding ceremony? And they said, like, no, 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 sorry, because then 18 people will come to the front. They don't even know who their real father and mother is anymore. And you know what? We just wept together and we said, well, we your, we your family. We'll pray over you. We'll bless you. See, then suddenly the church and the life together isn't just like stuff we do. It becomes life or death. I want to end off with this quote that we all know in John, Joshua 24, where Joshua, at the end of his life, takes out the whole of Israel. Joshua 24, I think it's verse 14. It's not on there, but it says like, as for me and my house, he says, choose life or death. Choose who you want to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But he doesn't do that just in front of his own house. He takes out the whole tribe, the whole South Africa stands before him. And he says, South Africa, choose who you want to serve. But as for me and my house, we want to serve the Lord. What a beautiful thing, you know, in the witnesses of thousands of people, the whole Israel, he says like, hey, other people worshipped idols, other people found their security in other things, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so this morning as we dedicated people, as we're here together, God also wants to heal people that have suffered in families that didn't represent well God's image. There's a broken society. And all of us, we have our stories. We have sometimes an abusive father or abusive mother or somebody that walked out of you, out of your life. We, we all have very, very sad stories. But that doesn't change anything about God's plan for our lives. And so this morning for all of us is an invitation. An invitation to say like, wow. And I was looking at Christoph and his wife here. How long are you married? Three years just jumping into the 
premarital counseling. How many couples are doing premarital counseling? Nine couples getting married at the end of the year. They just said, hey, we're a young couple, but we want to get involved. We want to start to serve the younger families. We want to be there every Monday night when they do all the training and talk about everything that makes you blush and everything that doesn't make you blush and finances and all of that stuff. It's just so beautiful. Because you say, hey, even if I didn't have it in the right way, even if I have a lineage of brokenness, God wants to restore through my life, through my marriage, through my relationships. There's a girl, I, she did Encounter 2 yesterday, and I want to end off with this testimony, but at Encounter 1, we had a word for her and prayed over her and said, hey, you'll be, you're going to be a great mother, you're going to be, you, you're going to be a, you know, like a, uh, what's a verpleegster? A nurse. Oh, you've got it, you know. We're just testing you. Uh, <clears throat> you're going to be a nurse and all this. That, that was the word. Now, two months later, she comes to me yesterday and cries, and she says, do you know what? A week before that encounter one, my mom died. And I was thinking the whole week, how am I going to become a mother to my younger sister? And I always wanted to study medics. But even through this trial and this turmoil and the stuff we've gone through, people would come to me and I'm just a first year girl, but you know what? I would pray for everyone. I would be like a spiritual nurse to them. And so suddenly that word of God made all the sense of even through everything I'm going, I knew God was with me. I knew God wanted to restore through my life because I lost my mom and I'm still miss her a lot. And I thought, what a testimony. She didn't know, she, we didn't know any of her circumstances when she came there and that word was given, a word of knowledge over her life. She says, do you know how that word changed my life? How it's still, I'm hanging on to that word of God. And I said, that's the heart of the Father. Lord, keep my heart clean. So he says there in the middle of it, all he says like, hey, in that prayer he says, Father, forgive me so that I can forgive others. That's where the Father's heart starts, starts with forgiveness. Yes, there's protection. Yes, there's provision. Yes, there's guidance. But right in the middle of that prayer, he says, Father, give me a soft heart. Forgive me my sins, but help me to live in a space because my relationships will be challenged. Any married people here? Raise your hand. How many of you have never had a fight with your spouse? Johan, oh, okay. The next, the fight is after the service here. <laughs> I heard the comment you made to the one girl outside. I'm going to tell the whole church. Johan said to this one, the, the, the one lady outside here at the coffee trailer, I just want to give you one tip. tip. Marry the, get the best guy that you will ever find and marry him because he's not, a good, he's not going to get better. <laughs> you know, something like, what a tip, Johan. Bless you, you know. I hope you are not talking about yourself because your wife will work your case. But in any case, I just had to put him on the spot. So let's all stand as we're going we're gonna to just pray together. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.